from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 503, UEFI and Secure Boot, with guest Mark Manassi. Recorded Wednesday, September 28th, 2016. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio and our next show in the ongoing special Monday series for Atlassian Jira Service Desk. I have none other than man about town and general troublemaker, Mark Manassi. Hi there, everyone. <laughs> How are you, buddy? Good, good, good. Ignite has been, as always, uh, total mayhem. A total mayhem, yes. And I'm pretty sure I help. saw you close the bar down last night. I'm pretty sure. Well, we were meeting with some people. Oh, is that you were at work? Meeting. I forgot. Uh, yes, yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right. We're both at the speaker's uh, uh, hotel, the, the Sheraton there, and yeah, it's got a nice little bar in it. The longest bar in Atlanta, they say. That's what they say, but okay. It, uh, it has a pretty good scotch collection. That's what I care about. Aha. Uh-huh. They, they also fixed it up. You know, I know I've been traveling for 33 years. I'm sure I've been in this hotel before. Almost guaranteed, yeah. Yeah, and I went into my room. Like, everything was new and nice. Very nice, yeah. That's awesome. Particularly on conference week, you expect to get, you know, the rooms that they normally are storing things in. <laughs> yeah, I, I would hope that the speakers get the better hotel, but obviously the Omni, which is right beside the convention center, is full of Microsoft executives. I so wish that they would stop doing this. If they would just put us at the hotel that's next to the venue. Right. Uh, or you, I would pay. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, you know, remember Chicago last year was a absolute nightmare. Yes. Where you yeah. got out of the hotel and they, the bus went for a while and then went underground through a tunnel. I thought, oh, they're going to kill us now. And then we went through the tunnel a little more and we popped up into daylight. And Yeah. Well, we're not in Chicago anymore, are we? Uh, Chicago built their their conference center in a kind of dicey neighborhood. Yes. Thinking that would gentrify it. That has not happened yet. Uh, and Atlanta this this week is a little cheesier than <laughs> normal. Yeah, no, I think Atlanta's done very well for themselves. So I count on you for Windows. <laughs> I just saying for the record, like you're you're my Windows guys. I was telling somebody the other day, it's like, do you know how many masterings Windows editions I own? It's like it's a wall of stuff. I had to take my office part. There was a flood. And so oh, yeah. all these books and those, those books you're willing to part with and books you're not willing to part with. And there's a Manassi shelf that I am <laughs> not you. willing to part you're with. Too kind, my friend. <laughs> um, actually, I don't, I don't really do the books anymore because right. they're, they're all stolen immediately. There's, mm-hmm. it's hard to make any money on the them. The business is destroyed. I think that market doesn't work anymore. I think it was in the eighties or the early nineties that the Grateful Dead said, we don't make any money from the albums. We, we do it on the road. Right. And I think that's pretty much, you know, and, then, and it's, yeah, you can use your tree all the more. What are you, focused on like what's making the difference for you and the are you still doing the, the speaking tour the the training classes yep i do it what i have now is a two-day technical windows 10 support class mm-hmm. now what that means is you've got guys you know you've got a company you've got guys that know how to support windows 7 right this is the course that takes them from 7 to 10 excellent and you know there seems to be missing a couple of numbers there <laughs> um actually <laughs> actually i uh i looked into that and mm-hmm. i used to build models out of data for a living and if you look at the version numbers, Vista is six and seven is seven, eight yeah. is, and so on. 
The thing is that Windows doesn't increment arithmetically by one. You no. just think it does. Yeah. Instead, they increase the value by 17%. That's how it works out. <laughs> so six is, of course, six. That times 17, that extra 17%, it's, it's a seven, but it's a low seven. Yeah. Same for eight. And then when you get to, to uh, Windows nine, then that's where, that's where it's like nine point five one or something like that. And when, oh, we're over the threshold, it's actually 10. Exactly. That's exactly. Okay. Rounding the nearest integer. That's the best answer I've ever heard for that, actually. And I expect that of you, I guess. I, you know, I, I might imagine the other possibility, I think, is that it wouldn't work in the world market because the Germans would be saying, Windows, Windows <laughs> 9? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought of that either. Okay. So here we are, 10. Uh, but it's not necessarily what you're, you're drilling into. BIOSes. BIOSes have changed. A lot. Which is interesting. I mean, I've definitely noticed this in the hardware that I'm buying these days. Like, BIOS has gotten radically better. And it's an old technology. Yes, it is. It actually started to get big. Mm -hmm. Around 2011. I'm going to say, if you've got some hardware you, you bought in 2011 or later, you probably have this new kind of BIOS. So, you know, the idea is, uh, just to back everybody up, is that ever since computers came out, there's this whole question of how do I get things running? Right. How do you get started? I need to load some program into the CPU, and, and how do we do that? You know, and, uh, in the old days, we booted off a floppy drive. Right. Along the, but, oh, the, but, uh, the IMSA was a manual booter, right? You had to me mechanically load that, what, 107 bytes worth of loader with uh, switches and, and, and accumulator buttons. Yes, yes, and a go, right? <laughs> and then you have, and then run it. Well, pretty soon they, they stopped doing that. Yeah. And so there's a way to make memory. It's a very old term called read-only memory, and the notion is that you can put some code in there. So mm -hmm. the processor wants to start at a particular address. It'll do that by itself. And so right. you, you put some put some ROM on there, and that's got just enough to get you started. Now, this it's called BIOS. Right. But BIOS is a very, very, very basic thing. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's not even software. Well, it's it's not only read-only, right? You did update those that, that firmware. Not originally. Yeah, I mean, not originally, yeah. but it, it did become a vector. Like, you, you're talking about 2011 when we made this big jump. It became a vector of exploitation. Absolutely. Right? You would get these hacked BIOSes that were, they were rooting the machine. It didn't matter what virus scanner or anything you ran on it. The, as the machine was starting up, it was being reinfected. Yeah, so the, when you put malware into the, uh, the BIOS, it's called a boot kit. Right. So rather than a root, root kit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've got different ones. They've got stealth and, and that sort of thing. So it's a pretty scary thing. Sure. So meanwhile, Intel, I want to say back in the late 80s, early 90s, something like that, uh, started saying, this is silly because you look at what a BIOS is, it's these little chunks of code. Right. Int 10 writes things to the video screen. Right. Int 13 uh, plays with sectors on, on this. But BIOS doesn't understand what C drive is or that sort of thing. Right. And so Intel was saying, you know, let's start building real machines. I think they were moving for first look, looking for servers first, mm -hmm. but of course it's going to trickle down to the workstations as well. And they came up with a thing called the Extensible Firmware Interface, or EFI. Mm -hmm. And also they're going to have this big chip called the Itanium that was just absolutely. Ah, I remember how well that went. You know, and it's it it's really interesting. John Dvorak has an interesting column oh, yeah. where he, he talks about how the fact that so Intel never got it off the ground. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they'd sell it, but it really never it took off. Yeah. And what that meant though is. That, development on really cool processors like the deck alpha just dried up yeah so in many ways it held us back for a good 10 or 15 years and it was intel trying to figure out 64-bit and meantime amd solves it so elegantly yeah. you know still more or less just extensions to the existing x86 set the x64 extensions and so much so that then Cutler writes the Windows on Windows paper says, this is the way. And once you've been blessed by St. Cutler, that is the way. And Intel implemented what AMD did. An amazing, amazing turn. So what ended up happening, though, was 
on the on the EFI BIOS, right? It was because the titanium hardware just wasn't selling. It was so expensive, right? That it it, it never really got anywhere. HP was involved with it as well because yeah. they're, they're saying to Microsoft, "Hey, if, if we're building better servers, we have a few suggestions." Mm-hmm. And so EFI, EFI, the first time EFI like gets out to the wild is in the Macintosh hardware. <laughs> <laughs> Back when they start, first started using Intel chips, right? Right. Okay. So, you know, so they've had it for ages. It's a um, it, it's a different kind of animal. Right. Uh, for one thing, it's an honest-to-God uh, operating system. It's really? like a little Linuxy thing. Yeah. Uh, Intel's got a, a, a little th- pre-boot operating system. It looks very Linuxy. Uh, yeah. y- you can get to it. Uh, Intel has this thing you download and put on a USB stick. I've never done it, but I've seen it done. Mm-hmm. And it's very Linuxy looking. You can enumerate your drives. You could, uh, as an operating system, it's got drivers. Sure. This is the Pixie Booters? No, no, no. no this no. is this is EFI. 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 Okay. And then once Intel gave up on Itanium, they just gave it to the world, and it became unified, extensible right. uh, firmware interface. Which now we know Ufi. is Eufy. Yeah, right. Eufy. Um, now, thing to understand, though, is that when you're booting from this thing, it is a real operating system. Mm-hmm. And you're adding drivers to it. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with all the problems that <clears throat> represents. Well, one of the interesting things is the is the differences. I mean, firmware has been called BIOS since the beginning of time. Sure. So we tend to call it, you, people tend to say Eufy BIOS. And so roughly around, I'm going to say roughly around 2011, mm-hmm. that's when I started seeing them show up. Right, in in our regular PC-type hardware. I think I saw it in servers first. Absolutely, but I'm saying when you started buying Asus computers that had Eufy, that's around 2011. Sure. It's changed over time. There's, a, there's an industry group and, you know, there's a magic number of <laughs> set of standards around it. And- yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. So it's, um, it, it's sort of like it was there, but not really being used. Right. Because in the UFI BIOS, because they know that, you know, for years people have no idea. They don't care about this stuff. No, no. It has I, the thing I, called I would the, they still don't care. It's got, well, you know, when you hear what you get from it, I, I think they'll care. But the, uh, there's a thing called the compatibility support module, which is one of the dumbest acronyms around. It's a BIOS emulator. Right. So the idea is, so, so remember, BIOS is not a generic word for firmware. It's just one kind of firmware. Right. The kind that was the whole planet for, for a for long several, time. several decades. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so the Eufy stuff is starting to take over, but almost always when it shipped until Windows 8.1, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to get this wrong, whether it's 8 or 8.1. Until that happened, they just had the CSM turned on and you don't even know you have a Eufy. Right. And you could go onto your firmware and you can, you know, do your thing. Turn it on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another interesting thing that it does is that it's, it's trying to solve really old problems. Things we've run into. As I said before, BIOSes are small. They don't really, you know, it's not software. Right. It's little chunks of code. Right. And what does that mean? That means that when something awesome like USB 3 comes around, Oh, well, too bad. You got to buy a new, new computer. Yeah. We don't understand it. We can't deal with it. And, and you know what? They could flash if they wanted to, but they, they want to sell you the hardware. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and you know, the first time I got a, a laptop that had USB 3, right. you can do some Windows installs that are just lightning fast. Yeah. No kidding. Well, what happens with Eufy though, Eufy has some of the stuff in firmware, but then it also has like a hundred megabyte partition on your drive. Right. Called the extended Extended system partition ESP. Yeah. See, it's so good at read your mind. Mm. And so what happens is if you're adding a driver, you could certainly flash it. But in most cases, it just ends up being on that little, that little, uh, volume. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's what that partition is for. And if you, well, if you go look at it, Mm -hmm. you're going to see that there's stuff you recognize because it's, it's what we've been booting from since Vista. Right. That whole thing with the EFI. It's got like, there's a, there's an EFI 64. Sure. That lets you boot. Uh, off Eufy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, BIOS has something else, boot, boot MGR. And that stuff's all sitting on there. So where it used to be in the root of C or something like that, right. now it's on the CSP. Interesting, too, 
it seems like everybody does a 99 megabyte partition except for surface surface creates 128 for the life of me i cannot figure out why is yeah what they're thinking. somebody just pick another number well yeah because if you it's bigger than you need though i mean it's ridiculously small but it's still bigger than it needs to be i think once people start using UV, that might not be true. Oh, interesting. Okay. You know, I mean, it's a real operating system. But so. it's just drivers. They're not that big. It's not just drivers. It's, it's, this understands drives. Oh, interesting. Okay. It, it understands, I, I think it understands printers. Hmm. I mean, there's some really, really interesting stuff in there. It's an honest to God operating system. Wow. And so I think as time goes on, we're going to see that uh, being extended. Stuff get bigger and bigger. Exactly, exactly. Now, as I said, it, it understands volumes, so mm-hmm. it understands C colon and that sort of thing. And all of us know, We've been at this for a while. That one of the early steps in booting is that on the first drive, there's a little 512 byte sector, right? That has the MBR, the master boot record. Yes, 512 bytes, Richard. You yeah. know what's in there? <laughs> there's a little table that says these are the petitions. You can have up to four, and then there's this bit of like machine language code that had to be hacked by hand because you just can't fit something in 512 yeah. bytes. Yeah, it's actually a lot of fun. Back when I wrote my hard drive uh, repair book back in oh. 89 or whatever it was. I went to OS2 machines and Windows machines mm-hmm. and I reverse engineered all of them. So I've got listings of what's, uh, of that 512 bytes. Yeah, for all yeah, these yeah, different yeah. operating systems. And they're all over the place too. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, different ways of tackling that, that startup problem. Cause the machine knows I'm going to go look at those bytes and then we see what happens next. Exactly. And the other thing that, that because we have more space, mm-hmm. we will have more and more involved bootloaders and they'll probably be living in the ESP partition. Sure. And if you just pop a USB stick in and install Windows and you just do it in spouse mode, then you're going to end up with a 99 megabyte. And it works. it's something like uh, the first partition is the 99 megabyte, and then the last partition is a WinRe, so the Windows recovery environment. Right. And then what's left in the middle, that's your C drive by right. default. That's what you get to use. Exactly, exactly. Where does um, the whole trusted computing platform stuff step into this? Because there was a couple of false starts now, but Absolutely. we're all running TPC now, whether we want to or not. They, they basically stopped talking about it. Uh, I'm not sure that's true. I mean, there was a bit of a bug in Secure Boot that that got out about a, about a month a, ago. became a serious issue. Yeah. Well, I don't know how serious it is. But so, so the idea is we, we've got Ufi and just a few more things Ufi does before I move along. Right. Anybody who's ever gotten a drive that's larger than two terabytes soon discovers that the MBR stuff that we're doing Doesn't maxes work. out at two yeah, terabytes. Yeah. This thing goes to like 75 zottabytes or something insane <laughs> like that. It's a trillion terabytes. That's how big wow. this thing can support. So that's pretty darn impressive, you know? Yeah. Let's see. What else? We talked about the drivers. We talked about exactly what the thing does. Uh, the next question would be, how do I actually install this thing? How do I get a Eufy installation? Well, what you do is you, you go to your firmware. And you turn off the CSM, the BIOS emulator. Right. And then you just basically do a wipe, wipe and rebuild. Hmm. That leads to the question, oh, hey, can I, can I take my MBR build and make it at Eufy? You know, there's people who say they've done it, but it's an awful lot of heavy lifting. And yeah. A lot very, of donkey work. I, I would not, yeah, I would not, I would not try to, try to do that. But you already, I mean, I, I've got machines with Eufy BIOS on them, using the incorrect term. Like, is there anything I want to do there? Like, why would you change this in any way? Right. So the, what what Yuffie's doing for us mm-hmm. is first of all it's just it's a more mature up uh, it's, it's a more mature BIOS as we said sure where it really comes into play is when we're talking about Windows it's eight or eight point one I can never remember which one it is because what they did is the same what Microsoft said is hey it's an operating system what do we do with our operating systems we make sure there's no malware there right. how do we do it we digitally sign the code right and so they have a tool that will do that so the the BIOS changed mm-hmm. BIOS was revved there is a place in the BIOS for a certificate. Mm-hmm. Uh, store 
And there's, there's a, it's a, something signed by Microsoft. It's a, it's a cert they don't rent out, you know. And, and so, <laughs> you, know, you would hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that creates that old chain of trust. Right. You think about what we do now is ever since XP Service Pack 2, pretty much all of the Windows binaries have been, been, been signed. Yep. And the important ones get, get reach, rechecked first thing in the morning. Uh, particularly with Windows 8 and 8.1 with the ELAM, the early launch anti-malware. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's next? Well, we got to check that, that BIOS. Yes. So basically manufacturers, uh, Get the cert from Microsoft. They put it into the the database. There's a they call it the database. It's, it's got certificates on it. And again, you do a wipe and rebuild, and you're going to get Eufy. You got to have Eufy turned on. Mm-hmm. You get a Eufy BIOS, and you have certificates that certify all of it. So at that point, somebody modifies it. Your system knows, and it just bricks. It just nope. Somebody's changed that. I'm not. Go- I'm not going to start. Exactly. Exactly. So the so the, the machine you get out of the shelf is it got that already set up or you have to do that? Basically anything anything from the Windows eight ish days. Right. They come out secure boot already. Yeah, we ten, the Win ten machines then and, and all the Uh not even Win ten. No, I I bought a a wonderful little Asus laptop. I mm-hmm. it's the two hundred and fifty bucks at, at Walmart. Right. And it's got touchscreen and it's got a real keyboard and it's light and it has an honest to god ethernet jack nice so you know when you're setting up a house router you need a you need a wired connection love the thing and just for fun i, I checked it out because i upgraded it to 10 at some point mm-hmm. but uh before that it was it was windows 8.1 right yeah now so that's step one yep. so, and by the way it's super easy mm-hmm. it's i mean it's Having done all this talking, how do I do it, Mark? Uh, just install Windows. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, laughs> it and happens. It, and it's already done. It's right. already done. Uh, there is, however, a check you can do. There's a PowerShell commandlet. It's uh, confirm-secure-boot-efi, I believe, mm-hmm. is, is what that is. And it'll come back true or false. Right. That you did go through the secure boot process. Ex- well, well, that the chain, the chain of trust. Yeah. So this is neat. This means we've got a chain of trust through the BIOS, and then we've got it to the operating system, and mm-hmm. everything's absolutely groovy, and yeah. life is wonderful. We're all secure now, Mark. Nothing to worry about. Well, there's some wrinkles. <laughs> there always is. Before we dive into this, let me uh, pay the bills here, because this episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by Atlassian, makers of the Jira Service Desk. Jira Service Desk is a new service management software that IT teams will love to use. Built on the Jira platform, Jira Service Desk helps you deliver cheerful service, is simple to set up, and so affordable you won't even need your boss's approval. Try it free today and get a free t-shirt if you are the first 100 listeners to sign up at Atlassian.com slash runasradio. All right, let's dive in. So, what do you need? Mm-hmm. You need a machine that's got a BIOS that's secure boot aware. Yes. It's UFI 2.31C or something like that is what you need, but that's everywhere. Right. You have to have secure boot support. What are you going to do? You're going to turn, turn UFI on? You're going to turn on secure boot. Yeah. You're going to do the installation. Life is good. Now, what happens if it gets bricked? It yeah. depends on the BIOS. Yeah. How do you get it back? Well, here's the interesting thing, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't really in Microsoft's hands. Right. It's the vendors. So, you know, your Lenovo probably has, definitely has a slightly different UFI BIOS chunk of code than your ACE. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, and I've seen this bricking because it basically it's old school 80 by 50, 80 by 50 text comes up and goes, um, you know, DBX failure. Yeah. DBX failure. That's that's usually what I and what it I just see. stops. And as a matter of fact, if you try to build a generation two VM with Windows ten, yeah, then there's some problem right now where it it, it just just won't work. You will get a DBX failure in it. In Interesting. So it's something they're going to fix. So it's unhappy with a cert somewhere along the line. Um, I think it's I I think it's a, there's a there's a 
they have a virtual cert database and right. maybe that you know, I, I'm making stuff up, but I'm, that's, that's, you know, that's probably what it is. Yeah. Some that, that's the problem. So, I mean, on one hand, you're like, yay, the, the network's been protected. We can't, pro- we're not going to propagate this malware. And then it's boo. I need this machine back. Like, should I just wipe and reinstall or can I recover? Again, I'm going to have to weasel on this because it depends on the vendor. Sure. Now, typically, typically you have the, the ability to get into the firmware mm-hmm. and then you can turn off secure boot. Right. At that point, it's up to you. I mean, there's a compromise of some kind. Maybe it's just cosmic rays. I mean, it might not yeah. be something bad. It's turning off the thing that just protected you doesn't seem like a good idea. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I'll, I'll unplug from the network yeah. and you know, should I isolate the machine and things, but because I've at least got that heads up. But it, you know, this, the rehab is dependent on the vendor. But uh, one of the, uh, I guess, yeah, getting out of secure boot is one one option. Well, let's talk about something else too that's very very important. Mm-hmm. Many times I'll be teaching, and somebody will say, don't you need a TPM chip to do secure boot? You do not. Okay. But if it's there, it'll use it. Right. And if you remember back to the Vista days with BitLocker, mm-hmm. there's a, the TPM chip, it holds secrets. Yeah. And one of the things it does is there's like nine platform control registers. They're hashes. Right. Hashes of your BIOS, hashes of your super block, hashes of your MBR, things like that. System wakes up, it checks all its hashes. If any of them are wrong, then BitLocker comes up, and you get the white text on, on yes. you know, the typewriter text on the screen. And then you have to know BitLocker's 48-digit, this is how I get in code. <laughs> With no, the no. contact your administrator, you're like, I am the administrator. And I have no idea what this is. Well, when I contact my administrator, I just, you know, sort of pat yourself. Exactly. Nice. <laughs> right, you know. So, see your administrator. Well, my servers have mirrors. So, I can see, what, so I can see, see my administrator. <laughs> but... Um, um, and this is important. I want to get through this. I don't mm-hmm. want to start. I don't want to stick because it, it bit me. My Surface, my Surface Pro here. Right. I joined it to an Azure Active Directory domain just to find out how it was going to work. Sure. Terrible idea. But, um, what that meant is, remember, it comes bit lockered from Microsoft. Right. And so I didn't have the 48 digit code. Now, since then, I've learned to print it out and I have it taped under the keyboard so that if I need this, then I'll. Then you have it. Absolutely. It's a much better idea. You're, you're not going to memorize it. No. But I love that you have it taped underneath your keyboard and you need to type it out. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I'm gonna have to charge your extra for that one, Richard. Richard. <laughs> so, be aware. The whole measured boot thing—that's what it's called. Measured yep. boot. It, again, it's it's orthogonal to secure boot. You can you can if you have BitLocker, you've already got and, and measured boot being a measuring against all these hashes exactly. to make sure I'm safe. Exactly. And I think there's actually some extra stuff too. In some cases, I wouldn't swear to this. I, I'm not a super duper expert on this, but I think they time some things. Like, how long does it take to to hash something? Interesting. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, think about the the uh, the thermal attacks. You know, right, the, the physics yeah. attacks. So that's that's yeah. all that's all kind of cool. The physics attacks where they're literally looking at how long it takes for you to respond to a key because a valid key takes less time than an invalid key. Those sorts of things. Or maybe faster. Or maybe faster, but it's different. Yeah. So you know, there's a, you you're actually getting results just by timing rather than actually getting a response from a from a particular library. Now, remember, if you're going to mess with BitLocker, mm-hmm. you should have the 48-digit code. Yes. Or actually, if, if you're going to mess with your BIOS, that's really important. Mm-hmm. A lot of things we can play with in our UFI BIOS, but if you change anything, BitLocker is going to say, no, no. Uh, oh, I don't yeah. know who you are. Right. So, get the 48-digit code, but here's a better answer. Mm-hmm. The better answer is that there's a great PowerShell commandlet in Windows 10. I don't know if it's in 8 or 8.1. Forgive me. And uh, it, it's suspend-bitlocker. So, suspend-bitlocker-mount point, and then C colon or something like right. that, dash reboot count. That's a number from 0 to 15. Hmm. Now, if it's 1 to 15, so the idea is when you're messing with it, you know that eventually you're going to turn BitLocker back on. Right. And this says, how many times should I reboot? 
without having to, without checking. Exactly. Zero means just do it till I tell you not to. Right. And then when you're done, you can, you can say resume dash bit locker dash mount point C colon. And what's that do? It goes back and reseals it. So we go so back. Does it redo the hashes? It redoes all the hashes. Oh, so that's how the hashes get updated. Absolutely. Do you, is this a process I'd want to do when I did a BIOS update? Oh, good God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, good Lord. I'm <laughs> just thinking like this is all anything that touches the BIOS. Sure. Know these commands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are going to affect you now. If you're going to maintain that that secure boot nature, it's like okay, well, it's time to update a BIOS. Well, now kick over BitLocker into the reboot. And I kind of like the idea. It's like I'm just going to leave you ten reboots. It's more than I need, right. but I know eventually it's going to be turned back on, and you're going to be safe. And that way, when I do leave it in the bar three months later, then the chances are very good that I'm BitLocker. Yeah, that you're actually lockered up. Yeah, because people, you know, are going to reboot that, that often. Let's face it, there's updates. It keeps happening. Yeah, let's not talk about that. That was, well, that, that I, was our Windows as a Service talk last time. Uh, that stuff still drives me crazy, and it's getting yeah. worse too. You know. Yeah. Sixteen oh. I don't know if we said it at that show. No. Sixteen oh seven actually has a new thing where all the patches are one big patch. Yep. So you can't bust them out with WSS anymore. Nope. And you have to install them in thirty days. Yeah. If you don't do it, it'll do it for you. That's interesting. And there's there's this big bug I've got at this moment where I slide a toast out, and I. The little X to, to close it doesn't work. Hmm. And in extreme cases, start menu stuff working. Now, that's the joy of Agile, and I'm certain that there'll be an update <laughs> for the update. I just can't afford that productivity hit, right? Like, this, these are not small things. You know, it's, it's uh, not to do too much more on the, the, the Windows as a service, but I have this little pain in the pit of, I, you know, like a lump in, in, in my stomach. Mm-hmm. Every time, is it going to work today? You know, and, <laughs> and if, if you've ever owned a Surface, yeah. Then you know that surfaces have a little trouble with BIOSes sometimes. You just turn them on and they just, and they think about it. Sometimes you don't get anything. And then that's bad. Yep. Uh, or the, the good black screen, it just says surface. <laughs> My surface one did this and I'm, I tried everything. It's like, so saying surface. I'm like, I'm not underwater, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Breathe it fine. Um, and definitely there's like UV boat modes and things that really, where you come up into a UV state that says, Hey, you had trouble rebooting and. You know, what do you want to do? You want to check your configuration, you know, those kinds of things. The updating of a UFI BIOS seems to be a lot less painful than the old. Remember, we used to literally have to boot from a floppy disk to copy a new BIOS onto a machine. At least UFI, because of the bigger driver set and stuff, will actually go do its own install and just restart. I guess that's right. You know, I didn't pay close attention. I just, I just bought one of these Lenovo P50. Like, it's basically a data center in a bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lenovo Saurus. <laughs> <laughs> Once you have a terabyte in your laptop, it's a Lenovo source. It's got, it's got this Xeon processor. Yeah. It has room for either two, two and a half inch drives or a two and a half inch drive and two of the M.2 drives. Right. Those guys are faster Smooth. than rumors. Yeah. They're smoking. I mean, man. Yeah. Yeah. It is so, they're, they're still a little small. Uh, I think somebody only, only now. So I've got like three terabytes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny that my Samsung two terabyte SSD, that's the slow one. Yeah. You know? no, it's, it's awesome. And 64 gigs of RAM. So yeah. oh, I absolutely love it. It's, it's the beast. Well, you know, with Windows Server 2016 coming out, I mean, think about what I could do. Yeah. Yeah. Now that Hyper-V does nested Hyper-V, mm-hmm. I can, I can build virtual machines that have virtual machines and that sort of thing, build clusters, <laughs> SANs and all that stuff. You're going to recreate Inception inside your computer. It's pretty gosh darn neat, but let's not let, let's, let's not get away from we'll, secure boot. Okay, so there's a couple more things I got to tell you. Right, when you turn on secure boot, there's a new rule. Mm-hmm. New rule is if you have more than one operating system on your on your computer, as you do. I use I use Hyper V for that, but right. but no, you're right. There are times you want to boot something and it needs to talk to the hardware. Yeah, certainly. Uh, although with the new Hyper V and the the PCIe, uh, the the much Emulator, better, yeah, uh, much. What what am I thinking about? 
SRIOV, yeah. the much improved SRIOV. Uh, I haven't played with it, but the the docs say you can take any PCIe device and share it amongst your wow. Your, and there's yeah. even a cool thing in Hyper-V now that lets you track who's hogging it. Interesting, isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about the stuff that you used to do with your strange loop stuff and all. Yeah, I well, we about- always had that problem. I'm just thinking about it back in my office. You know, I have. Uh, a computer pretty much de- dedicated to just manning, managing my recordings and things, right? It takes a it takes a firewire connection from the the, uh, the digitizer, and the fact that I could share that across Hyper-V instances would probably make my life way less painful. You know, yeah, I, 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 I tend to solve just, things with more computers rather than actually share. <laughs> right, right, yeah, 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 um, or, or maybe maybe Azure VMs or something like that. Yeah. Okay, so the when, when you've got that that secure boot on, yep, only secure boot OSs will boot. Will boot. Mm-hmm. Well, this leads to, wait a minute, I want to run Ubuntu. I want to run Red Hat or something like that. Right. Well, basically, in order to be secure boot, I'm grossly simplifying, but there's little there's little stubs you have to have that says, yes, I checked the certificate and it's groovy. Right. Now, originally, the Ubuntu guys, it's an interesting blog about what they had to do, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff, because you have to introduce code signing. Interesting. So, like, think about how, how big the Linux kernel is, yeah. and now these guys are going to have to do and, and, and do, do code signing. So, that... The Linux guys saw this as an evil Microsoft plot. Right. The answer is always, you know, you can turn off Secure Boot, and yeah. then, then you can run Linux or anything else you yeah. want to do. But the Ubuntu guys were the first ones to get out there and say, we're going we're gonna to support this. We're going to make this work. Remember the, remember the certificate database? Mm-hmm. There's the one Microsoft built in there for Windows, and they put a third-party one in there that anyone can buy a cert for for 99 bucks. Now, that doesn't mean you. It means the guys who build Ubuntu just have to buy one certificate. Right. Follow all the rules for, for, for secure boot. And initially, I'm told, mm-hmm. all those things are supposed to check. It's just subroutines and say everything's fine. It's groovy. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but the Ubuntu guys have talked a lot about it. They did a really nice job. Red Hat either has done it or it's going to be the next version really mm-hmm. soon. So that's interesting stuff to look for. Yeah, no, Really interesting stuff to look for. But if you can't make it work, don't worry about it. You know, you, your choice is turn off secure boot. Right. And uh, I'm not sure that's a, the best answer. But wait, there's more. Mm-hmm. Well, Turns out, because it's pretty secure. I mean, Microsoft doesn't lend out their certificates, or do they? Uh-oh. Turns out they put a third certificate in there uh-huh. that anybody could get to for developers to test stuff. Okay. And somebody at Microsoft did a PowerPoint where they mentioned it was there. <laughs> <sighs> so, in theory, people could bypass Secure Boot. Having said that, right? For me to do this, I've got to, I've got to be on your computer, physically there, log- logged on. Right. Okay. So as long it's it's the old story. If if you if you're holding my computer, then you own it. Yeah. Right. Physical security matters. But here's the interesting story. There's a bunch of other devices. Remember when the Surface One came out? Yep. That had secure boot. Mm -hmm. That had secure boot. It's got a TPM chip and all all, all that stuff. Uh, However, you can't get to it because there's a class of devices where Microsoft says, "Uh uh-uh, we're not letting you not encrypt this." Right. And so the the Surface is one example. My Windows Phone, my Windows Phone has secure boot. Hmm. So. Is it the end of the world? Well, for the five of us who own a Windows phone. Nice. You know, that, that, you know. I got one in my bag. It's just not turned on because I have my Android phone if I actually need to make a call or, or request an Uber. Me too. I, I, I surrendered because I love my Windows phone, but I need my apps. Yeah. So I got a, a Nexus 6P, which is a pretty cool yep. little phone. That's the, that's the hip new phone. Well, you know, Android has the Linux problem. Yep. You play with Linux, and the engineering under the hood is often clever and awesome, but the user interface looks like a kid did it. It's just not polished. Yeah. It's still not polished. <laughs> no, Android was, was like that. But I just put 7.0 Android on. Yeah. And, you know, it's there's some very nice UI stuff sure. happening there. It's, you know, it's, it needs some more work, but I think they're, they're getting in the right direction. So, now here's the thing. Wait a minute, Mark. Can we can we fix this? 
Well, in order for Microsoft to do that, they'd have to flash like all the BIOSes out there. Sure. But it's not just that. There's been how many versions of Windows since eight? Mm, yeah, three or four. They'd have to rebuild every one of those. They'd, yeah. have to, they'd have to produce media for 1507 and 1511 and all yeah. that stuff. So it's hard to say, but, but it doesn't, again, so, you know, when somebody tells you, oh, Microsoft screwed the pooch, you know, no, it's not, it's fine. Don't let people get on your computer while it's, right. you know, while it's turned on and, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Well, especially Paula. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain people, it's like they get anywhere near your machine, you're going to be thoroughly exploited. Uh, What's next for you, my friend? Because uh, obviously Ignite is wrapping up. This is you're going home tomorrow, and I'm going home tomorrow. And you know, I I have a place on the Outer Banks. Oh, wow. And I oh, yeah, a little place on the ocean I built back when I was making money. Yeah. Um. No, one time I had a royalty check for four hundred seventy-seven thousand dollars for that's, six months. That's a good. Never day. happened again. Yeah. I didn't want to get used to having the money, so I spent it. Right. I uh I went and I, I found a lot on the ocean, one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, right. right on the Atlantic. And it took me a year to design the house, and so it's, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous place. If life ever takes you there, mm-hmm. please do do come by. But it's it's just a lot of work. I mean, yeah. anything that's right on the ocean is just there's all the, the, the ocean's always trying to eat it. It's exactly right. Yeah. It's, the ocean's always trying trying to eat it. And I was going somewhere with that story, but I don't <laughs> this is know. where you're going to be after ignite. Oh no, no October. <laughs> oh, is the most wonderful month. I mean, you know that there's a there's a great thermal inertia in water. Yes. So like in the middle of summer, the ocean could be 59 degrees, which I ain't going on that. You know, no, no. maybe if you. Rough, tough Canadians, that, you know, that <laughs> polar bear types, you know, man who's climbed, climbed Everest. Perhaps you go in there, sir, yeah. but not me. I ain't going in there, you know. And so, uh, you know, sometimes you get some really, really nice, nice temperatures. Right. Well, because there's that, that thermal inertia, it takes it a while to get cold. By the middle of October, oh, the water's 75 degrees. Yeah. And, um, the sunset, the golden hour is two hours. Nice. Oh, and it's, and there's no people. It's and just it's a, so it's I, off season, really. I always want to be there. And, Guess what my busiest month is? <laughs> yeah, it's nonstop conferences it's, through October. October slash November is the, you know, the month of Las Vegas. Everybody yeah. does Las Vegas. Yeah. Remember, we used to do Orlando, but mm-hmm. but uh, the hurricanes uh, chased us Moved out of Orlando. Us, yeah. Yeah. So that comes in the spring. So uh, yeah, I'm traveling pretty much nonstop. Uh, I will see you at IT uh, Edge. Edge. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to be at Connections or not. Uh, nope. Nope. Okay. I don't know if. Not going to be there. I don't know if that's a, if that, that was a bad word for yeah. you. Maybe. No. Um, and I've got. Uh, some fun consulting. There's a there's this organization of people who they they run coin op laundry machines. Mm-hmm. Well, they're in the process. They have these machines that are they're not on all the time. They collect all the information. They sort of dial up once a day and and they want to move to the cloud. So I get to get the chalk out and you get to turn laundry machines into IoT devices. Exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yes, yes, that's yes. pretty cool. I mean, and, and it's safer than the one I see. Have you seen the refrigerator? Yes. The refrigerator's got the, the, the weather on it. It's like, you know, you go away for a week and you come back. It's like, sorry, didn't get a patch. The old yeah. food spoiled. And you know? full of porn. <laughs> <laughs> so bottom line. Yep. Uh, if you're built, if you're the, if you're the kind of guy that builds your own systems. Yes. You and, and I, are, I am. Exactly. Yeah. Um, be sure to do this. Be yeah. sure to turn on Yuffie. Be sure to turn on Secure Boot. Mm-hmm. It's just really, 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 uh, good. And be sure to please to do BitLocker. We are really in an interesting world now. Yeah. Because you think about this thing, my my surface is sitting here, and it's got that 3D infrared camera, so I just look at it, and it knows me. It builds a 3D topographic map of my face, yes, which is just really, really cool. Uh, Also, the other thing that's great about this one is that it's got this fingerprint reader. They've been around for about four or five years. Super instant touch. And you know what's great about that? You know, we really all should be running as standard users, but we (coughs) don't (coughs) always do that. (laughs) Just enough administration? Yeah, just enough is all of it. (laughs) And 
So what's cool is that if you, if you are running as a standard user, then you can have an admin account and elevate with your fingerprint. Yeah. You, UAC will then say, Oh, how about this account? And you just, Beautiful. which means you, in theory, my friend Samuel, Leo, uh, says he uses, he uses two fingers. He's got one for the user account and he's got the, the other one for the admin account. He uses his middle finger for the admin account. He calls it his admin finger. <laughs> no, he gets, there's like, a message there somewhere. No, no, he gets away with it because he's finished. There you I go. mean, if I did, he'd be like, he gave us the finger. <laughs> We're not paying that guy. <laughs> Uh, always what, a pleasure, Mark. Indeed. And what, what about you, my friend? Uh, a big conference time as well? Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, the fall is a busy conference season. Going to do uh, IT Edge, be there with you and uh, and a bunch of our friends. And then headed to Amsterdam for the uh, the Dev Intersection Europe. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So we've got a show there uh, just outside. That's a, that's a lovely city. The conference center will drive you insane. Though, yeah, yeah. Because you're standing here. You see something 20 meters away. So you notice it, I did the Europe thing there. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't walk to go down and around down, and, you know, around we, We're actually in a, in a nice facility in Harlem, which is, oh. a, you know, suburb or nice. town just outside of Amsterdam. So not going to do the conference center. It doesn't need to be quite that big. Cool. But uh, we'll have a good time with that. And of course, the MVP summit. Yes. Can't yeah. wait for that. Yeah. Because I, I have, I've gotten like three sessions. You know how it is. It's you, we come to Ignite and if we're speaking, I can't. Go to a session on a day that I'm speaking because I'm totally freaked you're out. Fo- you're focused, you know. And then after, no, I'm just freaking out. I, I, I just, you know, well, it's it's like so. I, I was in Iceland uh, just recently, mm-hmm. and they hired me to come out. And I have, you probably know, this one hour keynote called "The State of the Cloud in 2016." Right. The Norwegians asked me to do it because I had an old cloud talk, and like, no, 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 we, everyone's seen that. I don't think everyone's seen it. It doesn't <laughs> matter though. They're Vikings. You, you you can't screw with those guys. Yeah. And so I built a one from the from the ground up, and it's much better talk. You know, it's lots of great. Facts and that sort, but it's very packed. Right. Well, they said they said we want you to do this, but you got to do it in twenty minutes. Don't you love that? <laughs> you know, because when you got to do anything in twenty minutes, it's just then it's you just know bah, 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 bah. you know they say that any storyteller can tell a story in ten minutes, and so you can summarize a story in ten minutes, but you're you're missing elements of the story. I could have talked about Yuffie and Secure Boot in ten minutes. Yeah. You know, I mean, but, you but, didn't. <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> but it could be done. Right. And and what's interesting is, on the one hand, it's frustrating because you know how you got a seventy-five minute talk. That's the ISO standard length of technical yes. talks. Although they're messing with it all, yeah, the time. all the time. And then they'll say, "Oh, you know, some guys are like hungry, so you got to do it in sixty minutes." And you know, when it's seventy-five to sixty, you say, "You know what? I can do it. All I, I got to do is just talk two. a little fat." No, yeah. but it never works. You always no. end up running over. You're always running short. But when it's a sixty-minute talk, you have to do it twenty. It's like, oh, you got to get out that the axe, and we're slaughtering the baby. You don't need the left leg. Doesn't need the right leg. And yeah, um, but it turned out it was that you know. I started teaching classes, and I'm sorry, I know I'm running on. We'll, we'll get finished. Wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. Uh, I started teaching classes back in like 83. Yeah. In those days, you could do five-day classes and stuff like that. And, sure. And it was a lot of fun. I'd get the class with me, and we'd we'd all be friends by the by the time. The two-day class is very much very similar. When I started speaking conferences, though, mm-hmm. it's like 75-minute talk, first time. It, it's like having a favorite video game and finding an advanced level you didn't know was there. Yes. Because a short, right? We can do it. You, you give me 10 minutes and I really can't, can't do something, but it's, man, it's, it's hard. 10 minutes. I know exactly what I'm going to do every single second. Yeah. It's the only no, way to do it's it. It's a rush. You yeah. just, you just hammer way through it. Well, maybe we should make the show shorter. <laughs> I don't know if it'll work for you though. Uh, thank you again, Mr. Manassi. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And everybody, thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. 